Valor. What are you running from? From Valerie. So Simone, or Sim 1, is a 2002 Andrew Nichols film um, about a down-on-his-luck director, played by Al Pacino, of all people, uh, who, after his leading actress essentially walks out on him mid-film and the studio shuts down his film, he um, he's kind of out of sorts, and then he runs into basically a conference attendee um, of a, an old conference, a couple, a long, long time back, who says, hey... I think you're right in that actors are terrible and I made you a simulated actor and here's this program and um, you're, you're going to do great things with it. Now I'm going to die because I have eye cancer from looking too close to the screen. And so the, uh, the director goes and uh, creates this, this woman, which he names Simone, who becomes a sensation uh, a little bit to his peril. And uh, so we're going to talk about this crazy, this crazy film from Andrew Nichol. Um, I'm Serenity Caldwell. <laughs> and welcome and, to uh, Cinema Cadfly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. I'm Serenity Caldwell. Like, it was very, like, like this is the news with, uh, this you know. This is the where, news, yeah. Yeah, yeah, This that is was the news awesome. about this insane little film. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome again, Serenity, uh, my friend. And, and uh, well, okay, so why don't we start here? Why did you choose this movie for me? Okay, so Simone, I w- when I was thinking about um, modern uh, modern science fiction, because I wanted to pair a sci-fi film with a sci-fi film, but I also wanted to pair something that was a little um, a, a little artsy. Actually, I wanted I wanted to go down the artsy sci-fi rabbit hole. Uh, so I think I gave you I gave you a list of uh, crazy films. Um, one of which was Gattaca, which was of course um, one of Andrew Nichols' previous films, and another one was Simone. And Simone, I actually hadn't seen since it came out in theaters. And at the time, I was really excited about it because Gattaca is one of my like all, all time like cult favorite movies. Uh, so, but I haven't. I had only seen it once, and I was kind of like, you know what? This might be a, a really fun. I'm curious. I would love to have a conversation with Arik about this movie because it's, <laughs> this is such a strange. I mean, it is a movie that in some ways. Uh, makes fun of filmmaking that deeply satir like satirizes filmmaking but also uh deals with technology and again the cra- not having not knowing anything about alphaville i actually think this is a nice a nice bookend because one is about you know a technology taking over the uh taking over a city and this is kind of about technology in some ways taking over the minds of a generation through uh through star creation (laughs) yeah so i find it really uh cool in like a synchronicity kind of way that i chose for you a sci-fi film that's really actually a a noir film pretending to be a sci-fi film and you chose for me a sci-fi film that's really a rom-com pretending to be a science fiction film (laughs) which (laughs) like just the idea that we both chose movies that are kind of subverting one genre with another to kind of do a different way of telling a story uh in this case a very silly story Yes, a very silly story. I make no bones about this. This movie has serious flaws, and yet I still enjoyed it the second time around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's I. My thoughts on this one are were very jumbled for quite a while because I was like, as I watched it, and I, I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, I t- certainly didn't like love it. Uh, it's a little no. <laughs> too too flawed for that. But but I definitely enjoyed it. I was I had a good. It's very entertaining. It, it's very watchable. Uh, I definitely there are some really interesting things to talk about that I'm, I'm sure we'll get into but man what a 
dumb movie too like it's oh yeah <laughs> it's like oh wow okay uh okay yeah. well it's it's funny right because this is what i think is interesting about simone is that it's it's created basically right after the dot-com bubble burst right it's a yeah, 2002, 2002 film yeah that was you know that was workshopped essentially in 2000 99 2000 um before before they actually made it and it's very much like Oh, this is going to be the few. There were, I mean, actually, there were a lot of there were a lot of articles in that around that time period where we're like, you know, how much longer can real actors really exist? Because we've got things like Second Life, and we've got the, you know, so this that was actually like a, a semi legitimate question in Hollywood for a little while was like, can we build virtual re- virtual actors? I mean, you think uh, Phantom Menace had just come out and. Um, and I don't think we'd seen when did when did the first Lord of the Rings come out? Two thousand two? Two thousand two? Uh no, it was earlier than that. It uh, yeah. maybe two thousand two, yeah, maybe two thousand two. Yeah. Something so you, like that. You you had all of this idea of, oh, we're playing with virtual actors and all all of this. And I really part of me thinks that Andrew Nichol looked at all of that discussion and was just kind of like, oh, you guys want virtual actors? Okay, let's talk about virtual actors. Are robots going to take your job tonight at eleven? You know, like so uh, okay, so oh, there's a lot to deconstruct. So there's so uh, So let's talk about okay. So the movie is from two. Th- I want to state at the outset again. I enjoyed this movie, uh, and there are real um, uh, interesting ideas. But before we get into those real interesting ideas, uh, this is a movie that came out in 2002, right? Where the simulation program that he's given is on a three and a half inch hard drive <laughs> that he puts into like a bay on his. Like what looks like the cheese grater Mac Pro. Yeah, basically, basically a Power Mac G4. And then later in the same movie, he has a five and a quarter inch floppy that he also puts into that computer. Yep. <laughs> like, what? The well, one of them, one of oh yeah, yeah. The fact that both exist is hilarious. The fact that they're using floppies in 2002 is uh, special. Yeah, the technology aspects of this are hilarious. Oh yeah. Like it's, I mean, it's 2002, and it, but it feels like a, a computer movie from like the hackers era, like the mid 90s of like, it's computers, guys. Like in a little way, kind of like the movie from the 60s is a little more accurate to computers from Albaville than this one is, right? It's like. Very ridiculous. The keyboard oh, yeah. that he's using just has like a hologram button on it or has like a whatever button he needs or whatever he needs to do is just suddenly on the keyboard, right? Like whenever Crying. he needs it. Tears. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just single tear button, you know, on the keyboard. <laughs> it's so silly. It's, I mean, part of the reason why I enjoyed watching this movie a second time around is really being able to enjoy just how like... This is really just a giant, not necessarily an F you to the computer industry and the virtual reality industry, but it's definitely a like, I mean, the, the whole thing feels like a giant parody. It almost feels like it belongs on SNL in some ways. You've got, I forget what the film, what the film studio is called, but it's Amalgamated Film Studios. Yeah, amalgamation I have that because I think it's hilarious. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like... I mean, it's it's got every cliche that you could possibly ask for. It's like the the ex wife who's the studio head and and married to some I or not married but like dating this random dude who's a dentist or something who's like know, a young just, hot guy right like yeah, he's exactly. much younger like a, than young, Al Pacino young hot whatever and then it's oh my god and when <laughs> after he installs Simone and initially he's just like. Oh, what can I lose? And then it's like, nine months later, I'm going to premiere you in an empty studio or an empty theater with like nine people. And I'm like, 
what kind of a studio premiere is this? What I don't even know what we're doing. Well, let's talk about that. So this yeah. guy, this guy, uh, uh, Pacino's character, who's this like Taransky. director. Yeah. What's his name? Taransky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he. He supposedly takes this computer woman and makes her, like, the biggest star in movies. But all of his movies are, like, the most ridiculous parodies <laughs> of, like, art house films. Like, they, he calls out Cassavetes. He's, he's like, aping Antonioni. All of his movies are uh, oh, yeah. he's aping Antonioni. Like, all of his movies are, like, monochromatic and uh are like weird coloration and... Yeah, with stupid names like Eternity Forever. Which yep. is hilarious, but they're all like the most ridiculous, like uh, like parodies of classic art, like art house. Like woman stares into the distance and says something way too like clinical to ever be something anyone would ever say ever. Mm-hmm. And then like the audiences are losing their minds. It's like the the it's like every uh, pretentious, overwrought uh, film student's dream. That like I'm gonna create this 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 amazing idea that's been in my head forever, and people are gonna somehow mainstream America is gonna lap it up. Right. It reminds me a lot of um, you know the scene in Notting Hill when Julia Roberts does the space movie. Yeah, I've never seen that movie, but go ahead. Oh, okay, all right. So there's a, there's a scene in Notting Hill where Julia Roberts does a space movie, where Julia Roberts is an actress in Notting Hill, and she's like walking around a slow rotating capsule. Oh, like Solaris and, style. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Solaris, but pre-Solaris. Yeah, exactly. But that's what this—that's what this feels like. This the, the entire every single film that Taransky does. It feels like it's mocking like the films in Notting Hill. It's so ridiculous. I, you know, at the same time, like there's—it's a really interesting idea. I mean, I think it's ridiculous. I, maybe my favorite part of the movie is that the is that mainstream America loses their their collective oh, yeah. minds over this ridiculousness. But there is a really interesting idea of like someone like a Rossellini. Or, or an Antonioni, but like a director who was famously very hands-on with the actors and really viewed them as like a, a tool uh, as opposed to as a person. You know, mm-hmm. there's some directors let actors act. Some directors try to micromanage the actors. And the idea that one of those micromanagement directors who really thinks of themselves as a, you know, this movie, the guy thinks he's like the most auteuriest. Oh, yeah. Auteur- he thinks he's God, God's gift to film. Exactly. And so for him, the idea that he now has a virtual actor where he's saying the lines for the actor, which is what a lot of these directors would love. Nothing more, right? <laughs> he's saying the lines. He finally gets the – he knows that if he just gets the performance that he wants – it's just going to be incredible. And then it is. It's it's like kind of like the way that, that The Crow is like every goth kid's fantasy. It's like your makeup never runs and it's always <laughs> night and it's always raining. You know, It's like this is like every pretentious film school director's fantasy world. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's it's really ridiculous. And I th- what's really funny in the throughout the film is there's actually, you know, even though the entire world goes crazy over Simone, and I, I think there's something to be said there about maybe not necessarily about her her acting or even about the film but just it's the it's the sensation of this is a woman who doesn't want to talk to the press who doesn't want to be in the public spotlight well of course we need to know more about her and yeah I mean, obsession I think collective obsession yeah well exactly i think that's a that's a very real uh sentiment in today's day and age i mean you look i'm just gonna bring everything back to star wars but you look at the new kids you look at the new kids who are in the force awakens and all of the attention that's now been leaped upon them and some of some of them are pretty like daisy risley has like an instagram but otherwise is a pretty private person and then all of a sudden is like 
oh god i'm i'm star wars you know on display number one um we get obsessed over this we get we like the collective world who who is into pop culture you know oh this is a pretty woman who has appeared out of nowhere and is now a superstar but uh we don't know who she is we don't know where she came from we don't know her story we don't know any of it uh i can see like i i can definitely i can definitely catch into that that part of it oh totally it's like if we if she's not in people magazine and one of those like celebrities they're just like you sections where we know Mm -hmm. how she takes out her trash everyone's like what who is oh my god you know and you know and the actress who plays uh who plays simone is you know very attractive and 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 this and that and the mysterious quality for sure definitely i think would would i think that makes i i definitely think that's plausible i think actually the whole thing like although i think uh when i was watching the movie one of the thoughts i had was if we actually could do this technologically right now i actually think people wouldn't be that upset like i think as a society we're we're okay we would be okay with the idea of a virtual actress well, we would be okay with the idea of a virtual actress. I think that I think that the leading on might be a problem. If we were like, oh, yes, this is a real actress. Just kidding. JK. Oh, the lies. Yeah, we wouldn't be okay yeah. with the lies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, this is – so this is funny because I remember this from the original marketing campaign because I actually – again, I was tuned into kind of what Andrew Nichol was doing at the time because I really liked Gattaca. Um, at the time, they were actually promoting this film as like we're, you know, starring Simone as herself. And they weren't actually really? like, yeah, there was a there was a six month essentially silence campaign to disguise who the the leading actress was or even if she was an actress at all. And so they had people who were like, oh, it's a it's actually a combination of Rebecca Romjin, who plays her in person stunt double, uh, which you hear about very briefly and like someone else. And, you know, da, 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 da. And then it finally comes out, you know, six, seven months down the line that it's Rachel. Because, again, this was early Internet. There wasn't really, you know, it's not like you have io9 or or Gawker on the horn, you know, and able to find out who this girl is within 24 hours. No one knew. And everybody and people were a little bit obsessed with, like, who is this kid? Um, and it ended up being a Canadian actress who... Amusingly, Andrew Nichol is now married to. Really, but, I didn't know yeah. that. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, he kind of so the the movie uh, does a, f- a fascinating job, uh, like you said, I think a little bit the, about puncturing various things. It's like a parody of a lot of different things, and one of those things is that same uh, machinery of like the gossip press. So there's mm-hmm. this like dude who runs clearly some <laughs> sort of gossip magazine, and his assistant who is played brilliantly by one of my favorite actors Jason, Jason Schwartzman, Schwartzman who oh, I, such a good cameo role for him I know he has almost no time in the movie but I love every single thing he does yep um but that guy obsessive about I mean you know driving out to the desert to see where this shot was supposedly filmed and like just you know Sniffing combing through her, what would be her underwear yeah definitely yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's some some sketchy stuff <laughs> for sure but like it's a, actually a really good parody as well of like the uh, the need for the public that, like you said, kind of actually happened, and now, I mean, it, you know, in, in a weird, in a weird kind of way, as dumb as this movie is, it's uh, it's ahead of its time, and uh, a lot of the aspects, like I, I, one of the things I thought about this movie was like, there's a part in the film where the where Simone, he, he uh, Pacino's character, uh, uh, Taransky gets frustrated with the with the, everything he's created it gets kind of larger than he can manage and he decides oh the best way to shut it down is to uh, have her just become extraordinarily unlikable and then uh she'll 
people will lose interest. And so he basically has her go out and like just be racist and you know and all <laughs> like stuff. smoking, yeah, and having like bra straps falling off, and then has her do like a crazy a, a film. Um, I think called I Am Pig. Yeah, yeah, where she's like literally a sexualized pig, like eating out of a trough, and people are even more into her than ever. And I thought, oh yeah, he predicted Donald Trump, <laughs> right? Like. Oh man, is Donald Trump a uh, CGI? Because that oh, would I wish. make my. That would make my <laughs> but like, do you know what I mean? Like, she, he just yeah. like people. It doesn't work, and I mean, Michael Jackson found this out too. Like, b- being off-putting doesn't actually accomplish what you want. All it does is change who is obsessed with you or how they're obsessed with you, and it just made people like her more. Because now they're like, but really, it was very Donald Trump because it was like. It was like, oh, she's a. I like how much she's a straight talker, and she's not one of those Hollywood elitists. She just tells it how it is. She's like me, blah blah blah. You know. Meanwhile, she's saying horrible, hurtful things. Yeah, I didn't even think about it like that, but that's that is basically the perfect way of describing it. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny because I think parts of this movie are so on point like that in terms of their, you know, the satiric jabs that they have and the overall construction and then there are parts of it that are just like oh my god like so dumb so dumb the entire poor Catherine Keener her entire character is just an idiot they ruin Um, they waste they waste Catherine Keener that's a hard thing to do which is which is crazy to me because like Taransky is supposed to be kind of a jackass and that's that's okay to me because I feel like that's the, the film is embracing his inner jackass and the fact that he's a terrible you know avant-garde artiste director um but they really flat they flatten Catherine Keener they turn her into a two-dimensional like typical whiny ex-wife studio executive and then at the drop of the hat they're like oh no I still love you everything's fine I just you know everything well, I think that's I think that's kind of the worst thing about her is that they reduce because for a film that's trying to puncture all these uh, uh, stereotypes and all these like you know um, ideas and stuff to have her basically be just like oh he found someone else now I'm jealous and want him back is yeah. is really unfortunate. It's awful. It's, it's just awful. In a again, the film could have been so much better than that because it 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 again it goes sometimes in directions where you're like, oh, this is actually an interesting critique of the film industry. This is an interesting critique of our society. Um, and no, no, we're just gonna go to st- stereotypical women being jealous of each other, um, which is really frustrating to me. There is, um, I think his daughter gets some pretty some pretty good stuff in this movie but also kind of gets ruined in the end of it yeah an early evan rachel wood performance right yeah. like, which i was like whoa hey i remember, i know who that is it's like a 12 year old yeah <laughs> whoa I, yeah that's the thing for a lot of the movie i thought oh oh she's cool like she totally knows it's fake and like is in on the whole thing and then she's not yeah you know and i was like oh oh that sucks like, but you're the computer genius. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that, oh, God. When she just sits down, she's like, viruses can be unbridled. Yeah, I'm like, okay, no, no, no. But, like. Well, again, it goes uh, it goes back to, clearly, Ender Nickel, et cetera. The whole, the whole uh, community just does not understand how, how computers work in 2002. No, <laughs> no, 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 definitely, definitely not. <laughs> They're just like, computer, click, 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 click. Yeah, yeah. We can do um, whatever, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, so I will say the the one lady that gets actually really, I think, a really good sort of transitional portrayal is actually Winona Ryder's uncredited character. Yeah. Where I agree. you get 
yeah, Renona Renona Ryder plays this basically stuff stuffy asshole uh, artiste who storms off of the set because there weren't properly colored M and M's or jelly beans or something. Mike and Ike's. Mike and Ike's. There I happen go. to. I just yeah. really like Mike and Ike's. <laughs> oh, they're redhead Mike and Ike's. How how dare you? Oh my um, god. And then she comes back midway through the film to audition for Taransky's latest film. Um, to it is a way of partially apologizing, but also like, yeah, Simone, you know, Simone's down to earthness, and the way that you know she talked about actually made me re-examine myself as an actor and made me re-examine like what was, like what was really important to the craft. Um, and then she gives probably one of the one of the best actors acting on screen performances that I've ever seen, because it's clear like. It is clear that she's acting, but it is such a wonderful performance of someone acting something raw and real and beautiful um, that it, I don't know, it's it's the one moment in the movie that actually, like, hits me in, in, a, in a deep place because it's, it's the, especially after you've been seeing all of this, like, very fake, very fake, very fake, very fake, and you know that Simone, Simone may be a pretty face, but Simone's really not that good of an actor. Like, she's not, she's not designed to be a good actor. She's just, she's designed to be compelling. She's just and designed to do whatever Taransky exactly. says. Exactly. And Winona Ryder's character is compelling and, like, is, does have magic and spark and, and is something real. And you even have Taransky kind of acknowledge it with, like, you can be the lead like you 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 should you should be the person playing this thing and then and then the whole spell is broken because she's just kind of like uh you have this superstar what's going on but that like that that little moment that little little beautiful bird in an otherwise ridiculous world of a movie <laughs> you know I, yeah she's she's actually i mean she does the best job actually acting of anyone in the film at any point and she's a minor character that isn't as you said uncredited which is <laughs> hilarious i think that um among the many things that this movie is doing one thing i thought was hollywood is obsessed with our obsession with it mm-hmm. right and so like there's such a strong vibe of that in this movie of like um all these because you mentioned like she's initially she's just like the absolute stereotype of a spoiled um you know uh prima donna actor and and then she like realizes the craft is what really you know what i mean and it's like these are you know it's al pacino like these are like incredibly famous incredibly rich people talking about celebrity excess when they are celebrities who excess right like it's it's a really like anytime i see a movie where it's like hollywood um deconstructing itself uh, in this kind of way, I'm always like, oh, that's cute. Like, I really enjoy that as a vibe. There's like a ton of movies throughout history. Like Hollywood, absolutely. Lo- like they've remade A Star Is Born like five times. Oh yeah. Right. Like Hollywood loves to talk Street. about <laughs> exactly. Hollywood loves to talk about this kind of stuff. And it, there's just something really, really funny to me about about that whole narrative arc of of Winona Ryder. It's just such like a Hollywood thing to be like, oh, she's she doesn't get it. And then she really did. and you know that there was some probably someone on this movie who demanded they didn't have. Certain color Mike oh, and Ike's sure. or whatever. Like he's it, probably it's, Jason Schwartzman. That oh jerk. man, yeah, he's probably just a, just the worst, right? We love you, Jason. You're yeah, awesome. You're, you're great. Yeah. No, I. But she she is she is really great, and her and her playing super spoiled is really great because she doesn't really have that her 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 character. You know, because in a lot of ways, like Hollywood people or famous people of any kind have a public persona that. Uh, is a character that they're playing just as much as as anything else, right? And Winona Ryder is sort of 
character because it's like this is definitely a movie where it's like the actors are playing characters but they're also kind of very recognizable in their own way like it's you're not really mm-hmm. supposed to lose them it's 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 like it is important that it's Winona Ryder in, in a sense and so mm-hmm. Winona Ryder being like a super spoiled brat is very against her sort of public type and I thought that was that was a lot of fun oh yeah and she just I don't know I love Winona Ryder and having her in a movie is like oh Winona Ryder I remember when you used to act <laughs> it was really awesome um <laughs> One one thing that's very, very dated in this film is the notion of, oh, you're a movie star? Guess you have to be a, a pop star now. Too. Oh, yeah. She has to suddenly record music and, like, perform live concerts. It's like, what? I'm like, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure Hank coded musicality into this woman's, you know, vocoder. And I don't know. It was... No, nah, dude, like, this director guy just is also a computer genius on the side that he didn't know about till he suddenly had Oh, yeah, it. now he has to figure out how to program holograms, which, by the way, don't exist in this universe, but now sort of exist. Yeah, yeah. we'll just turn on a lot of smoke. No one will notice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lots of smoke and, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, I, there, I mean, you know, I guess Tupac came back or whatever, but, like, he didn't look, re- I mean, there's. People are at this show. It's, I mean, I guess it's the power of suggestion, right? Yeah. They like it just they believe she's real and so Well, and they see the giant screens and no one can get too close. I don't know, it's just it's silly. Again, there's a, for for every for every little bit about this film that's beautiful, there are like five parts that are just dumb. <laughs> dumb and silly and ridiculous. Yeah, I think ultimately this is a really interesting experiment that didn't succeed. Yeah. Uh, it's very entertaining. I, you know, I know that uh, I've actually never seen. This is the first movie of his that I've seen. Um, I never saw Gattaca or The Truman Show, but I know that coming off both of those, this was like pretty highly anticipated as a, a next work, and it's it's not been uh, treated kindly, I would say, no. by by <laughs> history. But I, I'm really glad I saw it. I, I thought it was definitely a lot of it's. It is kind of funny to think that he thought this was going to be like successful because there's so much. I mean. Like, I appreciated Cassavetti's reference. I'm not sure that that's what... <laughs> that the general world will. Well, I think that's the, the point. It's, you think about Truman Show and you think about Gattaca, which I can't... I, it shocks me that you haven't seen either of them, but I'm not surprised. Um, People think because I do this podcast that I've seen... All, it's like every time I have a guest, they're like, I'm not going to be able to think of anything to make you watch. I'm like, literally, I've never seen any movie. Like, you're going to be fine. <laughs> if it's not in the Criterion Collection, I haven't seen it, okay? Even then. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. working my way through. Most of the guys uh, uh, that write about the Criterion Collection, it's like they're watching everything for the fifth and sixth time. They, they don't believe it either, but I'm like, I'm watching all these movies for the first time. That's why yeah. I'm doing this is to learn, right? Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Andrew Nichols has always had a problem with his... Even with his previous films of... He... Like, I think... His goal, in some ways, like Godard, is uh, he wants the cerebral experience. He wants to kind of pull back a layer deeper and really look at the the meaning of, like, what it means to be human and what it means to be, to interact and what it, you know. Um, and Truman Show is a huge, a huge sort of play on that. Um, and is Gattaca to a certain extent. But with Simone, I think he didn't have a, a like, a bounce back like with uh, with Truman Show, he had I forget who directed Truman Show because he only wrote it, um, but he had he had the director of Truman Show to kind of like bounce heads with and and actually trim and craft the narrative, and he had a, an all star stellar cast with uh, with Gattaca and Gattaca again, flawed films. They're not perfect films, but I appreciate like in some ways I'm like I appreciate where you're going, even though you don't quite get there. And Simone, it's like you get 35% of the way. And then there's like a huge dip. And then like, 
you still you, you kind of get. I mean, again, it's an it's an entertaining film. If you just if you just marketed it as this is a silly rom com about what happens when you put virtual actors into a movie and just like blew it blew everything over the top. I mean, for for Christ's sakes, the the uh, computer programmer's like, I got eye cancer from staring too close to the screen. Yeah, yeah. Microwaves gave him eye cancer that yeah. killed him like in a week. It, very, mm-hmm. very silly. By the way, the director of The Truman Show was Peter Weir, who uh, directed Picnic at Hanging Rock, which is in the Criterion <laughs> Collection, directed uh, Dead Poets Society, directed yeah. like, I mean, really a heavyweight. Right, so yeah. maybe that's partially what was missing from this show. This one is that he was like, "Oh, I've I've been around these guys now. I can do it, do it on my own." You know, maybe it's yeah. not right. No, <laughs> and I'm probably telling. I'm like, I'm trying to think of the last thing he directed. I think was In Time, which was the Justin Timberlake movie about not about like being the rich, the rich having all the time in the world, and then the poor. Once you hit like your Logan's Run kind of birthday, you only get a day to live, and you have to earn more time. And again, like they're they're these really interesting concepts. Don't necessarily any always go where I think he wants. Them yeah, to his go. career's kind of gone down. I mean, after that, he did the host, yeah. and uh, and then Good Kill most recently, Ooh. which I've never, I've, I've never heard of that one. Yeah, never heard of that. So. I think I only pay attention to his sci-fi movies. <laughs> yeah, I don't. The host. Oh Oof. lord. Even, yeah. <laughs> he started out so know. strong, you know. An American. Just... Oh God, Ethan. Oh, I'm so I'm so sorry. <laughs> 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 it's it's a bit of a ooh, it's a bit of a train wreck going going forward. Yeah. Unfortunately for him, um, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I like that this movie is trying to do something. You know, I, I think probably it would be hard to have any sort of rom com that also functions on that on that second level. Probably, I mean, maybe I don't know. There's probably a way to do it, but like he doesn't. He definitely doesn't achieve any of his goals. But it's it's a very entertaining uh, train wreck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just silly and fun, and there's a lot of like. There's some there's some like really uh uh fun lines. Um you know, there's some nice nice moments and and uh it, you know, I definitely found parts of it really really funny and uh uh that you know, and Pacino hamming it up like Oh yeah, like well Pacino, Pacino, I mean can. that's that is he is the the saving grace of this film where it's I think like one of the reasons why this is so much fun to watch is Pacino just being really being allowed to play in the character of like this failed film director and in some way again going back to the the stereotypes and and playing with the satirical nature of the film i think he really has fun of the idea of let's just really dive into what it means to pretend to be an auteur film director and for that alone i'm like i will watch yes pacino i will watch two hours of you uh pretending to be a film director pacino really is like he should have been like the greatest comp like character actor you know of all time and he just kind of ended up a leading leading man somehow but it's yeah. like he's he's really stretched it's not you know this is like right in his wheelhouse of like i'm gonna be the ridiculous uh, neurotic you know uh auteur dude who's just doing my shtick and like has a lot of ticks and all this kind of it's i mean it's like I, I don't think he even had to sweat to do this role. You know oh, I mean? no. He just, he just came seemed, to work and had a good time. He just seemed like he had a, yeah, he seemed like he had a good time. Good time yeah. for a good paycheck. And I'm kind of like, you know what? That's that's okay. Not not every movie needs to be high art, even though I think Andrew Nichols was aiming for some high art. It's still, you know, it's still, yeah. it's still a fun time. It's <laughs> adorable. It's like you want to pinch his cheeks and go, ah, you ah, you guy, oh, yeah. you thought you could. Oh, you're trying to criticize the film industry. That's really This cute. is so great. <laughs> You yeah. look at you go. Yeah. So I but but I mean, you know, if you if you if you want to watch a stupid silly movie, I I'll watch it. I would watch it again. I mean, I 
I like yeah. this kind of thing. I'm, there, yeah. are, there are many, I feel like, as far as stupid rom-coms go, there are, like, many stupider. <laughs> there are many rom-coms that are just terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least this one's attempting to do something. Yeah, Most exactly. of them aren't even doing that. It's funny. Yeah. In parts. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've, you know, full-throatedly no, defended. I know. <laughs> I recommend. People are like, this movie sounds terrible. Why? Why? But no. It's, it's an enjoyable train wreck. There's it, your, enjoyable train wreck. Exactly. And you know what? Yeah. As we learn from this movie... We don't hate train wrecks. We just become more fascinated and obsessed by them. Facts. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to get in there on this one? No, no, I'm, 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 I'm talked out. Although Siri just tried to uh, trigger, so apparently Siri has feelings on Simone. <laughs> you know what? Siri probably does have feelings on Simone, right? Like, I, I bet. Mean, I bet. Uh, Siri, we could probably could have done this entire thing just by asking Siri. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here to talk about Simone is. Yeah. <laughs> <Siri>. <laughs> that would be so great and horrible. Okay, uh, so Serenity, why don't you let people know where where they can find? Yeah, they, can, uh, find they can find me uh, at Saturn S E T T E R N on Twitter and Instagram, as well as on imore.com. I'm their managing editor, and on the incomparable. Um, where we most recently talked about Hamilton and a couple of other various, if you like nerdy things. Uh, listeners can find more about me at uh, cinemagadfly.com or cinemagadfly on Twitter. And uh, as I said on the last episode, if you haven't listened to The Incomparable, it's I mean, it's one of my favorites. It's awesome. You should definitely go check it out. Serenity, it's been an absolute joy having you. Thank you so much for doing this. Likewise. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Is, I, I always like talking about films, so... This is great. Thank you so much. All right. And I will say to everyone else out there, goodbye and have a, a you know, a, a good day. And we'll see you next month with someone totally, totally new. Yay. Bye. Veronica. What you don't understand, Clyde, is that love is like a wildflower. But that flower only grows on the edge of a very... Hi.